Chapter Two, Section Two of the Greek View of Life by Goldsworthy Lowes Dickinson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Geeson. Chapter Two, Section Two the relation of the state to the citizen first let us consider the relation of the state to the citizens that is to say to that portion of the community usually a minority which was possessed of full political rights it is here that we have the key to that limitation of size which we have seen to be essential to the idea of the city-state for in the greek view to be a citizen of a state did not merely imply the payment of taxes and the possession of a vote it implied a direct and active cooperation in all the functions of civil and military life a citizen was normally a soldier a judge and a member of the governing assembly and all his public duties he performed not by deputy but in person he must be able frequently to attend the centre of government hence the limitation of territory he must be able to speak and vote in person in the assembly hence the limitation of numbers the idea of representative government never occurred to the greeks but if it had occurred to them and if they had adopted it it would have involved a revolution in their whole conception of the citizen of that conception direct personal service was the cardinal point service in the field as well as in the council and to substitute for personal service the mere right to a vote would have been to destroy the form of the greek state such being the idea the greeks had formed based on their own experience of the relation of the citizen to the state it follows that to them a society so complex as our own would hardly have answered to the definition of a state at all rather they would have regarded it as a mere congeries of unsatisfactory human beings held together partly by political partly by economic compulsion but lacking that conscious identity of interest with the community to which they belong which alone constitutes the citizen a man whose main preoccupation should be with his trade or his profession and who should only become aware of his corporate relations when called upon for his rates and taxes a man that is to say in the position of an ordinary englishman would not have seemed to the greeks to be a full and proper member of a state for the state to them was more than a machinery it was a spiritual bond and public life as we call it was not a thing to be taken up and laid aside at pleasure 
but a necessary and essential phase of the existence of a complete man this relation of the citizen to the state as it was conceived by the greeks is sometimes described as though it involved the sacrifice of the individual to the whole and in a certain sense perhaps this is true aristotle for instance declares that no one must suppose he belongs to himself but rather that all alike belong to the state and plato in the construction of his ideal republic is thinking much less of the happiness of the individual citizens than of the symmetry and beauty of the whole as it might appear to a disinterested observer from without certainly it would have been tedious and irksome to any but his own ideal philosopher to live under the rule of that perfect polity individual enterprise bent and choice is rigorously excluded nothing escapes the net of legislation from the production of children to the fashion of houses clothes and food it is absurd says the ruthless logic of this mathematician among the poets for one who would regulate public life to leave private relations uncontrolled if there is to be order at all it must extend through and through no moment no detail must be withdrawn from the grasp of law and though in this plato no doubt goes far beyond the common sense of the greeks yet he is not building altogether in the air the republic which he desiderates was realized as we shall see partially at least in sparta so that his insistence on the all-pervading domination of the state exaggerated though it be is exaggerated on the actual lines of greek practice and may be taken as indicative of a real distinction and even antithesis between their point of view and that which prevails at present in most modern states but on the other hand such a phrase as the sacrifice of the individual to the whole to this extent at least is misleading that it presupposes an opposition between the end of the individual and that of the state such as was entirely foreign to the greek conception the best individual in their view was also the best citizen the two ideals were not only not incompatible they were almost indistinguishable when aristotle defines a state as an association of similar persons for the attainment of the best life possible he implies not only that society is the means whereby the individual attains his ideal but also that that ideal includes the functions of public life the state in his view is not merely the convenient machinery that raises a man above his animal wants 
and sets him free to follow his own devices it is itself his end or at least a part of it and from this it follows that the regulations of the state were not regarded by the greeks as they are apt to be by modern men as so many vexatious if necessary restraints on individual liberty but rather as the expression of the best and highest nature of the citizen as the formula of the conduct which the good man would naturally prescribe to himself so that to get a clear conception of what was at least the greek ideal however imperfectly it may have been attained in practice we ought to regard the individual not as sacrificed to but rather as realizing himself in the whole we shall thus come nearer to what seems to have been the point of view not only of aristotle and of plato but also of the average greek man End of chapter two section two recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey